Revelation chapter number four. Will you stand to your feet? And we're going to read one verse this morning from this chapter. I know that uh, probably many of you love to read and study and hear teaching and preaching from the book of Revelation. Uh, so many people are so interested in the hereafter. They're so interested in what's going to happen next or in the future. So many people are interested in, in learning about heaven, learning about hell, and uh, so much of that information and truths is found in the book of Revelation. And I want us to look at verse number one of chapter number four uh, this morning. No doubt your pastor uh, is an, I know that he's an excellent teacher. I was listening to him during Sunday school and uh, I was thinking that, man, he could teach in, in so many Bible colleges. And I appreciate the wisdom and the knowledge uh, that he has. That that's took a lot of time and energy and effort on his part. And uh, I know that he has probably taught you uh, many things from the book of Revelation and will continue to do so. Uh, but God has laid this on my heart. I've never preached this message before. And so I ask that you pray for me. How you react to the message will judge or gauge if I'll ever preach it again. Amen. <laughs> anyway, and I like it, and so I hope you like it. So I can preach it again. Amen. I don't want to put it in. I've got, a, 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 I got one bookcase of all the sermons that I, I believe work, Brother Will. And then I've got about four bookcases of sermons that did not work. And so I want to be able to store this in that one case. I've got room for it. And so I hope you enjoy it. Please pray for me. Uh, please try your best to, to, to uh, stay seated and to, uh, to pray and to pay close attention to what God has laid on my heart. I believe it's a very timely message. I believe it's a very needful message in the day in which we live. Verse number one of chapter number four. If you're there, will you say amen? Amen. Verse number one, John the Beloved is writing. He said, after this, I looked and behold, a door was open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Let's pray together, Lord. We are desperate of your help today. I ask that you'll give me clarity of thought, clarity of speech. Lord, you know, Lord, uh, how this has been placed heavy on my heart in the last couple of days. And I pray, God, that you'll help me preach today. Lord, I pray that you'll use me for thy glory. I pray that those that are here in the auditorium, those that are watching by the means of the Facebook Live, those that will listen and watch in the days to come. I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you'd work in their heart to encourage, exhort them, and equip them in these last hours of these last days. Lord, encourage our hearts today. Lord, I, I believe that many of God's people are discouraged. Many of them, Lord, are down and depressed, and many, Lord, are even battling bitterness from the circumstances and the things that are going on not only in their life, but in our country and in our world. And so, Lord, I pray for a little while that you would please anoint me, please help me, and that I might be a blessing and not a burden, that I might be a help and not a hindrance. 
I thank you for Pastor Gabbard and Miss Jenny and the family. What a joy and what a blessing they are to my, my, my home and our ministry. And I thank you for their friendship. Bless, Lord, the Tree of Life Baptist Church and all that endeavors to do for your glory. And we'll thank you for it and praise you for it. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you and be seated this morning. Keep your Bibles open. We're going to uh, flip to uh, some passages this morning. I know that your, your pastor is a Bible teacher, a Bible preacher, and he likes to ramsack the scriptures and have you turn, so you're used to that. So please keep your Bibles open. I hope you got a pen. I hope you got a piece of paper that you can write some of these things down that may help you and write the outline down. You say, preacher, I, you may not need it today, uh, but you may need it tomorrow. And I always try when I go somewhere and I hear someone preach, I always try to write down what they preach. And then the next morning in my Bible time, I go back over what I heard preached the day before. And I'm amazed of how many things God has showed me, uh, not only what that preacher had mentioned or that Sunday school had mentioned, a teacher had mentioned, but God showed me something new when I looked at it again the very next day. And so uh, I believe that's a good study habit that we, you and I could have. Now, notice by the way of introduction that I want to preach today from two words that are found in verse 1. Now, I'm not saying to you that these two words are more inspired than any other words found in the Bible. I'm not saying to you that these two words are the only inspired words because I believe that every word of the King James Bible is God-breathed. I believe it is inspired of Almighty God. And if you looked at verse 1, if you're a Bible student and you like to study the Scriptures, the Bible says, Study to show thyself approved, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, the word of God. And so if you, if you want to rightly divide and study the Scripture, you may say, Well, preacher, I want to guess that the two words that we're going to look at today is maybe I looked. If you understand where John the Beloved is, what his natural eye was seeing, he was on the Isle of Patmos because of his stand and because of his faith for the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, he had been separated from family and the church. They had exiled him. And so his natural eye was seeing uh, the down and the depressing things that were going on around him. But yet God let him see something wonderful and he writes all that he sees in this book. But that's not where I'm preaching today. You say, preacher, I believe the two words that we could look at today is door open. John, the beloved, had the door of ministry closed there where he was serving. The Roman government had, as I said, had imprisoned him and exiled him for his preaching and his teaching. It seemed that the door, are you listening to me, had been closed. But God says, John, there's a door that man cannot close. It's a door that is open in heaven for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, amen. The door of heaven is not closed to the black, to the white, to the Espanol, to the Portuguese, to the Russian, to whatever it may be, to the educated or uneducated, to the rich or to the poor. It's open for whosoever will. And boy, we could preach on those two words, couldn't we? And then we, you may say, well, preacher, I think the two words are come up. Come up, preacher. 
all that he's going through and all that he's facing. I thank God there's a day coming where Jesus will say, come up, hallelujah. There's a day where you and I, the church, will hear him say, come up, hallelujah. And we're going to be called up. We're going to be snatched up. And we're going to be taken out of here. Uh, but that's not what I'm preaching today. The two words that I'm preaching today that God has laid upon my heart are the first two words. Look at it in your Bible. After this. Let that get a hold of your heart this morning. After this. I thank God that there is an after this. I thank God that no matter what you're going through in your life today, no matter the burden you're carrying, no matter the heart that you have is broken, there is an after this. Hallelujah. After this. Some are broken today, but there is an after this. Some are bewildered today, but there is, God said, an after this. Some today are being bothered by this or that, but glory be to God, there is by the promise of God and after this, amen. I'm glad that you and I may think that we can't go another mile. You may think that you can't cry another tear. You may think that you can't uh, uh, serve the Lord any farther and you can't handle anymore what you're having to handle right now. But there's a God in heaven that promises you and I that this world is temporary. Your troubles and trials and difficulties are temporary. And there is an after this, hallelujah. After this. Oh, I wish every one of you could get a hold of that today. I hope the Holy Ghost of God would prick your heart and, and exhort you this morning that there is an after this. For all this you're going through, there is an after this. <laughs> Hallelujah. For all this we're seeing in our world today, there is an after this. For all this we see in politics and in our government today, can I encourage you, there is an after this. What is your this this morning? What is your this this morning, preacher? This is my problem. This is my discouragement. This is my trouble. This is my hold back. This is my hindrance. This is my health issue. This is my financial difficulty. Can I tell you today that God says there is an after this. It won't always be like it is now. <laughs> Glory be to I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're going through. But I'm telling you, it won't always be like this. Because God has promised, thank God that there is an after this. Praise the Lord. I want us to look at three things about after this. And I hope that you'll write them down and I hope that it will encourage you and you'll pay close attention today. Don't allow your mind to drift because this message will encourage you and help you today. After this, number one, I want you to look at the context, the context of after this that we find in verse one. The context of after this that we find in verse number one. Keep your place in chapter four, and let's go to what I believe is the key verse to the whole book of Revelation. 
Chapter 1, verse 19. Flip over there, please. Chapter 1 and verse number 19 is the key verse, in my opinion, of the whole book of Revelation. Here in chapter 1, verse 19, we're going to find that the book of Revelation comes in three sections. Notice what the Bible says in verse 19 of chapter number 1. He says, first of all, write the things, number one, which thou hast seen. What John has seen is recorded in chapter number one. The second section, go on in verse 19. Number two, and the things which are. That is chapter two and chapter three. We know it as the seven letters to the seven churches of Asia Minor. But there's a third section, and that section covers chapter 4 to the end of the book, chapter 22. What is that? Not only write the things which thou hast seen, number one. Number two, write the things which are. But number three, write the things which shall be hereafter. Do you see that? He said, I want you to write not only what you've seen, chapter 1, I don't only want you to write to what are, chapter 2 and chapter 3, but I want you to write the things that are hereafter. Now go back to chapter 4. Watch this, how beautiful this is. Chapter 4, look at verse 1 again. After this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. The first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet talking with me, which said... Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be, what's the word? Hereafter. He says, I want you to write the things that you've seen. Number two, I want you to write the things that are. And number three, and finally, I want you to write the things that are hereafter. I'm glad in verse number one, I wrote in my Bible, I've underlined those first two words after this. And then I've took my pen and I've drawn an arrow down to the word underlined hereafter. It reminds me, thank God, that after this, there is a hereafter. Hallelujah. After this, there is a Hallelujah. Glory be to God. There is a hereafter. I don't know what you're facing and I, I know what our country is facing, but I'm telling you, uh, this is temporary. This is for a little while. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. After this is the hereafter. After this is the hereafter. Think about that this morning. Think about that. Don't just sit there and just look and not hear me, but hear what I'm saying today. Hear what thus saith the Holy Spirit, that after this there is a hereafter. After this temporary, there is the eternal. Hallelujah. I'm glad for the hereafter and the context of after this. What is the context? It, 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 it's very easy for people to take Scripture out of context. And, and I don't believe the Scripture can speak to us in various ways. It's a book that is alive. It's a book that you can never exhaust. It's, it's too rich. It's a book that has no errors. It's inerrant. It's infallible. 
And uh, it's a book that's too powerful. It's unstoppable. But many times people take scripture out of context. So what is the context of the after this in chapter 4 and verse number 1? Well, go back to chapter 2 and chapter 3 with me. Flip your Bibles over. You've got to see this. What is the after this? What is he referring to? If there's an after this, what is the this in the after? <laughs> what is he referring to? Well, in chapter number two and three, we have the seven letters to the seven churches. Now, don't you listen to me closely now. We're given Bible prophecy today. We're given Bible promise today. Bible truth. Notice that in these seven uh, 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 churches, we have a picture of the church from Pentecost to the very last, last church age or last church section of Laodicea. Now, notice that all of us Bible preachers, I'm sure there's some that don't, but most Bible preachers, Bible teachers believe that these letters to the seven churches is a picture of the church, the same, not the lost. This is not a picture of lost people. This is a picture from letter to letter to letter, from number one, Ephesus, all the way to the seventh letter, Laodicea. It is a picture of the redeemed, the saints of God, the church. I'm not talking about, well, I'm a member of Tree of Life Baptist Church. I'm not talking, you'll go to hell if that's all you are. You gotta be a member of the, of the eternal church, the church of Jesus Christ, the body. The church is a body and he is the head of the body. And so this is a picture from Ephesus to Laodicea of the church through the years from Pentecost all the way to where we are today, which I believe without a doubt, and I'm gonna show this to you, that we are in the Laodicean church age, Laodicean church part, and so that means there's not a number eight. That means the next thing's gonna happen is chapter four, verse one and two. Jesus Christ is gonna say, come up hither, hallelujah. You say, preacher, I don't like the day I'm living in. I don't like to see the sin running rapid, and I don't like to see what's going on in our political world. You ought to be excited because you are living in exciting days this could be the day that Jesus could come again. Hallelujah. These are exciting days, amen. Amen. You may not have to die. No, no, that gets you excited. Hallelujah. You, you may get called up out of here. Amen. You may get to leave out of here. Hallelujah. In a hurry, a twinkling of an eye. That ought to excite you, amen. That you might be the one on earth when you see the eastern sky split. And Jesus step out on that cloud and say, come up hither, church. Hallelujah. Exciting days. But notice here, watch this now. I'm hurrying. Look in chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. He writes the letter to the church of Ephesus. Ephesus was a careless church. Preacher, what do you mean by that? They got careless in maintaining their intimate relationship with Christ. They got careless. Why? He said, you have left your first love. The love you had for me, the love you had for the things of God, you have grown cold in that love. They were careless. They were not doing what they are to do. Can I ask you this morning, no raise of hands, how many of you this morning read your Bible before you came to church? 
How many of you got on your knees, or if you can't get on your knees, sit in a chair, whatever it may be, and thank God for a new day and prayed for the service today that God would intervene and God would not only help others, but more specifically, God would help you. You know the ones that get the most out of the service are the ones that put the most into the service. You can stand all day in front of a Coke machine and you can look at all the lights and you can see all the selection of Coke, Sprite, Dr. Pepper, and whatever it may be. And you can look and you can say, look, it's got Coke. Look, and that sign may say full, it's available. And you can stand there and stand there and you can look all you want. But until you put something in, you will not get nothing out of it. How dare us come to the house of God and say, bless me if you can, preacher. Singers, bless us if you can. And the singers try to sing. They're just like you. They're tired. They're weary. They got things on their mind too. They're trying to get a hold of God. They're trying to ask God to touch them and use them. And some of us sit like a knot on the log while they sing and not even pray for them, not even say amen, not even raise their hand. Hey, you're going to get out what you put in. Don't you go home and get in your car and say, I didn't get nothing out of the service. Can I ask you, what did you put in the service? How dare us think we're going to get, we're, God owes us something. And we're supposed to just get out of everything. God, you know what I need today. I need encouragement. I need exhortation. I need a word from the Lord. Yes, you do. But I tell you, you got a better chance of hearing from God if you'll participate, amen. If you'll get involved, I'm telling you, God will not be indebted to you and I, my friend. He will bless you, amen, when you make an effort, amen. And when you're not reading your Bible, you're not praying, you're not attending church faithfully, I'm telling you, you are guilty, and I am guilty of not maintaining my intimate relationship with Christ. They were a careless church. And I'm telling you, preacher, I'm telling you, preacher, there are many of God's people today, they have not read their Bible this morning. They have not prayed this morning. And they come in the church and act like God's going to show up. And we can't even give God a few minutes of our morning. Well, hallelujah, amen. I'm just preaching the Bible today. I'm trying to exhort you. Uh, Ephesus was a careless church. They did not maintain any kind of relationship. You got to maintain it. If you're a husband, you're a wife, you got to do your part. Everybody, you got children, you want a right relationship, you got to maintain that relationship. You got to maintain your relationship with your pastor and the pastor with the congregation. Relationships takes maintenance. And the church was a careless church because they would not maintain their intimate relationship with Jesus Christ who loved them more than they've ever been loved and loved them when they did not deserve to be loved. He deserves our best. I'm telling you, that's not the message, but the Holy Spirit of God said, stay right there a minute so I obeyed them. Are we not there today in our churches? There are so many people, especially during... Uh, uh, the COVID uh, pandemic, and, and I'm, I'm not judging whether uh, you, you go out or don't go out or come to church. Uh, that, that's between you and Almighty God. But I'm telling you, it's amazing that we can't go to church, but we can go to Wally World. We can't go to church, but we can go down to the restaurant and we can mingle with the world, but we can't come to church and mingle with God's people who we claim is our own brothers and our own sisters in Christ. You'd rather spend time with the world. You'd rather spend time with the laws than to come to the house of God and worship God. Something's not right. 
when I always had trouble with my father, I did not want to go to his house. I stayed away from his house. There was something between us. I, he may, it may, I probably always thought that I was right and he was wrong. As I get older, I realize how much he is right and I was wrong. My children would be there one day, hallelujah. Amen. But I'm telling you, I'm, I, 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 preacher, I'm just mind the Lord. Is that okay? I'm just trying to mind the Lord. I'm, t- I'm telling you now, what's the after this? Well, first of all, the church has got to a place where it's careless. It's not maintaining its relationship with the Lord like it ought to. Look at the second church, Smyrna, verse number eight. Verse number eight, I'm, I'm just trying to help and love on you by giving you Bible truth. Verse number eight through verse number 11 was the church of Smyrna. What about this church? It was an opposed church. The Bible talks about the synagogue of Satan. It's a sad thing that when you mention the church of Jesus Christ in the same paragraph, the same verses, you mention the synagogue of Satan. It's a shame that in our churches today, you got folks to come in here, they have no relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm glad they come, but they act like that they know the Lord. They act like they're here and they've got just as much God as you do and they've never met God at Calvary. They've never had their sins washed away. Our churches are filled with goats and sheep. I remember I preached the message one time on, on concerning are you a goat or are you a sheep? And my boy, he probably was five years, six years old. And he come home and he's talking to mom. He said, mom, I don't want to be a goat. I don't want to be a goat. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank God now since July, six years ago, now he's a sheep. Hallelujah. I was a goat one time. Hallelujah. And I still buck heads with my wife. And we two old goats. Amen. But in in my heart, I'm a sheep. Hallelujah. I've been saved. Amen. Smyrna. Are we not being opposed today, church? Come on, somebody say, man, shake your head, do a flip, stick your tongue out, wave your fist at me, do something. Are we not being opposed today, church? They're trying to shut churches down. I just preached with, I just seen a preacher from Louisville, Kentucky, and he says that almost every press conference, every press conference, he mentions his name and the church because they won't shut down their services in Kentucky. I, I, I'm telling you, we're being, he said that they come out there and the governor sent state troopers to the church parking lot and wrote tickets to every person that assembled in that congregation that Sunday morning. They're trying to infringe our rights to peacefully assemble. They're saying, well, we're not meeting in arenas for sports. We're, we're not meeting down at the, the rock and roll events. We're having a live stream. But why is the people down at the church still get to assemble? They're the ones that's carrying this virus. They're the ones that's causing it to get worse. If we keep them from assembling, then things will get better. Let me tell you, a preacher said this in Sunday school, church is essential now more than it's ever been, I believe, in the church age. You need church more. It ain't the same as sitting in the living room. I'm telling you, we had to do that for about three or four services. My wife was positive for COVID, and then I had it. And I tell you, it is a weird thing to lose your taste and smell, boys and girls. I told my wife, I said, man, you can't taste your food. My mind was telling me what it tastes like. Your mind does. You, you, you know, and preach, you know, your mind knows what it tastes like, but you're really not tasting it. And uh, I couldn't smell. I told my wife, I said, honey, I can't smell. And, they, and them three all laughed. So I went and got a 
Bath and Body Works candle. I don't know if y'all ladies, my wife would camp out at Bath and Body Works. She buys every candle. New one, I don't care. I don't care if it was smelled like dog poop. She'd be first in line to buy it, amen. Oh, I need that. Can I have that, honey? They got three for 25 this week. Hallelujah. Amen. She's in front line, amen. Amen. That's right. I'm just saying true. Say amen right there, sweet pea. Amen. I'm telling you. I got a candle and I put it in my nose and went, I said, I can't smell it. I went to the refrigerator and got a can of jalapenos uh, uh, that we had and I took the, uh, the lid off and couldn't smell it. They laughed. My son just got home from work. He works hard. He, he works at the Upside Down House, Wonder Works. And he uh, works on the ropes course. And, and they're about to make him a supervisor. I thank God that he gets a raise. The rent's going up as soon as he gets a raise. Amen. <laughs> Here he comes. And I, I, I'll be honest with you. You know how teenage boys' shoes stink? I picked his shoe up. He just took it off his foot. And I put it in my nose and I sniffed as hard as I could sniff. And I said, I can't smell it. And they said, you did lose your smell. Amen. <laughs> I know what is said on the couch and watch service. I, it's just not the same. I'm not saying there are good people that have health issues that during that time they needed to. If, if my daughter battled leukemia for three years, we know what it was with her low white blood count. We know what it was to be careful where we went. Well, I, I understand that. Folks that work in the medical field, I understand. I'm not ignorant. I understand that. But I'm telling you, we've got to a place where people now have just relaxed on that flimsy excuse and they may never, ever come back to church again. There's so many people I've preached all over the place and every pastor tells me the same thing. They're discouraged because the people that once were faithful, now they still can't get them to come back to church. Still go to Walmart. Well, we need groceries. You need God. We need natural food. You need spiritual food. Well, I need that, that, that deli cutter there at Walmart. Boy, I got to have my deli meat. You need your preacher to cut the meat of the Word of God and feed you. Yeah. Amen. Am I okay? Am I okay? Am I, let me ask y'all, am I okay? Praise the Lord. Amen. Oh, it's, it's already 12 o'clock. I'm sorry. I'm hurrying. I'm on, I'm, on, I'm on point number one. We're in trouble. If you got a ham in the crock pot, God bless your heart. Your beans are about to burn. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. Listen, I'm trying. The context, Smyrna was an opposed church. Pergamos was number three. It was a compromising church. He said, there's some of you that have the doctrine of Balaam. Balaam compromised with the world. He didn't stay faithful to God. He compromised for money over the world with the world. And chapter, the fourth church is Thyatira. He told Thyatira, you're getting loose on some Bible doctrines. Some of the Bible doctrines you used to hold to, you used to fight for, you used to have convictions for. Now you're getting loose on the pulley. That's what he told them. Are we not there in many churches? They don't stand where they used to stand. They don't preach like they used to preach. They're not as bold as they used to be. God help us. Some are getting loose. Some are getting loose on Bible doctrine. He goes to the church of Sardis. He tells the church of Sardis, he said, holiness is becoming rare. He said, your holiness is not what it used to be. Are we not like that? 
sad to see that you can't tell the difference at Walmart between who is a part of the church and who's part of the world because the church looks more like the world and so the world looks more like the church. You just can't tell the difference anymore. I believe that you are to be, you are, it ought to be, your salvation ought not only be inward. Well, preacher, it's a personal thing. It's between me and the Lord. It's in my heart, preacher. But my friend, whatever's in your heart, God said will come out. It will come out. I'm telling you, I can show you, I can take your checkbook today. And I can go through your checkbook. And I can show you what you love. I can show you where your heart is. The Bible says there's only two things in life. Two things in the book of Colossians. You know what they are? Chapter 3. Things on this earth and things above. Where's your heart? Is it on things temporary or is it on things that are eternal? There's nothing wrong with things. He never said don't have things. The problem is when things got us. Are you listening to me? That's the problem when things got us. And so he talks about Sardis losing their hold. Philadelphia, he said, you know, there's some there that, that have held on to the truth, but they're growing weak and they're growing weary. How many of you here don't raise your hand? You're trying to stay right with God. You're trying to maintain your relationship with Christ. You're trying to be faithful to the house of God. You're trying to be faithful in your witnessing, in your tithing, in your giving, but yet you feel weary this morning. You feel worn out this morning. You're sitting there saying, Lord Jesus, Please come by. I don't know if I can go another mile. That was the church of Philadelphia and it's what's happening today. And then that seventh, seventh church was Laodicea. This church was getting too much like the world. The Lord said, you're not, you're not hot. You're not cold. He said, I'd rather you be hot on fire for me or just be cold on me. But you're lukewarm. And therefore, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. I mean, are we not there? Are we not living in the last days, friend? Are we not there? We are there. As a, a preacher friend of mine told me, and I, I must hurry, he told me, he said, if you want to study end time prophecy, you've got to look at three things. If you really want to study end time prophecy, number one, you look at the church. Number two, you look at the world. Number three, you look at Israel. And when you look at the church and you study and look at the world and you study and you look at Israel today, there is no doubt in my heart and in my mind, we are living in the last days. We're there. But I'm glad, thank God, there's an after this. Thank God in chapter four, after this. I get so tired and sick of my own sin, and don't you? You know, we, we, we're good at pointing a finger at the sins of others. Help me now so I can wind this down. We point at the sins of others all the time. Uh, we, we've, been, we've been making our comments and our frustration known about wicked politicians and crooked government and fake news and, and all the garbage from hell that we've experienced in America. We've all as Christians pointed a finger and say how wicked, how abominable that is and how, well, how full of iniquity and transgression and sin that is. But when is the last time that the Holy Spirit zeroed in on your sin, amen? The world, America is not where it's at today because of the world. 
because of the lost. It's where it is today because of the saved. We've dropped the ball. Quit blaming the world. Quit pointing fingers at everybody else's sin and get to a place where you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and say, God, I'm at fault. God, I'm not where I ought to be. God, help me to confess that sin and get that thing right with you. I get sick of my sin, man. I, I mean, I'm reading my Bible, preacher, and I pray, and I still mess up. I don't ask for a show of hands now because we're going to see who the liars are and who's not the liars. How many of you fail every once in a while? You mess up. You mess up. I appreciate you raising your hand. My, grand, my wife's grandparents was in church and they got to a place that they could not hear. They couldn't hear real good. And, and uh, the preacher, his are preaching and his talking about giving. And he said, I won't. He said, I want all tithers to come up front. Boy, you do that nowadays, you know, folks are going to get mad. <laughs> Some folks just say, oh, I can't believe it. And he did this. My wife, amen right there, sweet pea. He said, all tithers come up front. And so my, my, uh, my, uh, my wife's grandpa got up, and he walked down front, but my wife's grandma, his wife, stayed in the pew. And there, here, here is what what he, what uh, she thinks is the tithers. And so she's looking at him, and he's standing here looking, wondering why she stayed there, and he's up here. That looks awful weird, don't it? For, it looks like one of them's lying. And uh, so after church, they got in the car, and they got talking about it, and he said, he said, why in the world didn't you come up with me? She said, uh, because we don't tithe. He said, What? He said, we don't tithe. we're not tithers. He said, that's not what he said. He said, all liars come up front. I'm, am I telling the truth? And he looked at my grandma, he said, I heard my wife's grandma said, and I wonder why you wasn't up there. Amen. Amen. We may not have 100% participation if I say let's all tithers, but if I said let all liars come up, they, they're not going to be an empty, they're not going to be a filled spot in these pews. We're all going to be up here. Amen. I get sick of my sin. I get sick of, sometimes I have to go to God, preacher, and ask God to forgive me for something that I asked him to forgive me two or three days ago. I'm telling you, it, it sickens me. If you're really clean, if you want to be really clean in your heart and you really love the Lord and Holy Ghost is convicting you by your sin, you don't go chewing bubble gum and blowing bubbles and say, Lord, I want to tell you, I'm sorry for the thought I had, Lord, but I'm human. We all make mistakes, Lord, you know that. No, you don't, my friend. You humble yourself, say, God, God, I've asked you to forgive me so many times. And here I am again and asked you, Lord, can you please forgive me one more time? Help me, Lord, give me victory. Do you know that one day we'll never have to pray those prayers? Because there is an after this. There's no sin after this. There's no separation after this. You know, the, I believe that the hardest thing in life is separation. Do you know, Mom, that when you are birthing that child, 
that separation, the child from the womb, they call it going through the jaws of death. That separation is hard, isn't it, Mom? When you finally, you stay at home for several weeks or if you have the ability to stay at home and when it's finally time for that little Johnny and little Jane that you've raised in your home and you've been there all day with them, it's finally time for you to go back to work or them to go to school. The first day of school, that separation is hard, isn't it? When my daughter went to school for the first day at uh, Spout Springs, no, Friendship Elementary School where I pastored in Georgia, I had a hard time with that, boys and girls. I come home and my wife knew I would. She said, don't you go back and check on her. You leave her alone. She gets out at lunch time anyway. Just leave her. When my wife finally turned her head, it wasn't long. I got back in my car. I pulled in a little section, a little parking lot behind the ball field. And I watched. I picked out my little girl. Her blonde hair was flowing as she was on the swing. And I thought she would be depressed that she wasn't with daddy no more. But. She is having the time of her life. And I'm sitting in the truck. <laughs> God, please. I hate school. Always have. Ah! And she's out there. Woohoo! This is great. I love it. Can I go back tomorrow, Dad? That separation's hard. Surgery. You have to maybe lose a finger or an arm or a leg or a foot or you get a tumor separated from your body. Separation's hard. When you stand. As a dad and you walk your daughter or as a mom, you're sitting in the pew and the question is asked, you prayed for it, but you know you're never really going to be ready for it. Who gives this woman to be married to this man? And dad, you say, her mom and I. And you take your daughter's hand and you hand it over to the new authority in her life, the new head of her life, her husband and holy matrimony. That's separation. I dread when my kids get married. When they ask, anybody got anything to say, I say, I got something to say. I'm probably going to do the wedding, most likely, and so I'm going to ask, is there anybody here today has anything to say? And I'm going to say, yeah, I think I will too. I'm, I don't like it. But I'll tell you what's worse. I'm not even going to finish. I don't take your time. I, I may finish tonight. But I'll tell you, watch this now. The hardest separation is death. I've pastored for 17 years. I know, I know what it is to, to lead a family down the aisle. I know what it is to lead a family out of the church to the graveside. I know what it is to see just a very small child being buried. I know what it is to see a teenager being buried. I know what it is to see a wife being buried. I know what it is to see a husband. I know what it is to... To have a grandpa be separated from me through death and a grandma. I know what it is to have two of my closest friends placed in the ground. My wife just this past October we had to place the shell of the body of her dad in a grave in Charlotte, North Carolina. We had a great service. It was a crowded, crowded. The auditorium's this big or larger. And it was a crowded. I forgot how many preachers came, and my father-in-law was not even a preacher. He is a faithful man of God. 
loved. Oh, he's so loved. I preached this funeral and I told him, I said, if, if I wanted to talk about deer hunting, I'd talk to Ted Belt. If I wanted to talk about things in government, I'd want to talk to Ted Belt. If I want to talk about my marriage and what I need help and my kids, I want to talk to Ted Belt. If I want to talk about the Bible, I'd pick Ted Belt to talk with. Many mornings early on the way to the deer stand, him and I, well, we were getting ready to deer hunt together. We hunted together for years. From the time we left the house, 4.30 in the morning, to the time we got to Oakboro, which was 40, 45 minutes away, we talked about the Lord and we talked about the Bible. We had a, we had a great service, but it still doesn't take the place that our heart's broken. The other night, we went to bed, and I could tell my wife's heart was heavy. She wasn't talking, and I said, honey, what is it? What's on your mind? Let's talk about it. And she said something that just touched my heart. She said, I miss my daddy. For Christmas, I got her a uh, picture framed together, and it holds four or five five-by-seven pictures. And I had my daughter to find pictures of her and her dad together, special moments. And I put it in that frame, and that's the last gift I gave her for Christmas. And I'll never forget her opening that gift. And she held it, and she took her thumb, and she just rubbed her dad's face. She said, my daddy. I'll tell you, separation through death is hard. But after this, <laughs> there's no sin. Are you listening to me? There's no Satan there's no sorrow, and there's no separation. Hallelujah. After this, glory be to God. I don't know what you're going through, but I'm glad God has promised. And after this, I want you to get a hold of that today. I want you to be encouraged today that what you're going through right now will not always be what you're going to go through. What you're facing right now you'll not always have to face it. What you're dealing with right now, one day you won't have to deal with it anymore. Why? Because God said, hallelujah, there is an after this. There is, write it down, I won't even preach it. There is the comfort in this scripture. The comfort. Don't you, are you not comforted today are you not comforted today by the message of God's word after this? Does that not comfort you? Does that not comfort you? What else would comfort you besides the Bible? There is a hereafter. After this is a hereafter. I wrote this down. I want to say this as I close. Would you listen to me now? The now the temporary that we find in Revelation covers three chapters. Three chapters. Those three chapters is 70, 71 verses. The now, the temporary. But the hereafter, <laughs> the eternal goes for 19 chapters and it covers 300 and 33 verses. 
You know what that tells me? That tells me that your temporary is just a drop in a bucket to eternity for the child of God. Hallelujah. God has given you, don't you listen to me, if you're lost, you better listen to what I'm about to say. God has given you earthly life so that you might be prepared for eternal life. Some of you are in the 30s, 20s, teenagers, tens. Some of you are 40, 50, 60, 70. I don't know what the oldest person is in this building. But for you to be able to live 80 years, 90 years, 75 years in this earthly life, and you die, and for your 75 years of your earthly life, you not one time got prepared for your eternal life, you're a fool. Some of you may only have 30 years to prepare. Some of you may only have 40 years. Some of you may only have 50 years of earthly life. But I'm telling you what, it doesn't matter if you only have a few years or a whole lot of years. Jesus Christ said, today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off tomorrow. 71 verses only deal with the temporary, but 331, 19 chapters deals with the hereafter. Preacher, what are you saying? What are you saying? I'm telling you, there is an after this. There is an after this. The context and the comfort and it ought, to, it ought to do number three, charge us to live in the light of after this. Most of us are living in the darkness of now. Our eyes is focused on the temporary. Our eyes are focused on what's going on with the liberal, the liberal media and the fake news and all the fraud and the elections and all the things that we say is unfair and is wicked. And I'm telling you, it's caused us to not be as spiritual as we are to be. It's affected our spiritualness. It's affected us as Christians. We got our eyes on the temporary. We got our eyes on the things that, that doesn't matter when it comes to eternity. We need to get our eyes turned back on Jesus, get them off the world, get them back on Christ, get them off the temporary and get them back on the eternity and understand that we only have a few days to go but there is an after this and glory be to God, you and I will praise him and glorify him and worship him in the hereafter if you have been born again. But if you're lost today, your hereafter is hell. The grave does not end it. You'll either experience eternal life in heaven or you'll experience eternal death in hell. Eternal death. You'll never die, but you'll continue to die. It's a continuation, eternal death. And I'm telling you, I'm glad today that Jesus has made a way that we can go to heaven in the hereafter. After this, preacher, why are you going to just stay faithful? Because there's an after this. Preacher, why are you going to keep coming to church? Why are you going to stand whenever the government's going to start opposing and pressing the, ch the church more? It's coming. It's coming. 
what's going to happen, it's going to get hot in the kitchen and it's going to weed out some people. No wonder Paul said, stand. Having done all, stand. But you keep in mind, there is an after this. There is an after this.